What's up, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC, and this is Nice Minds. I am joined today by Sterling Banks, a very, very talented artist that I've been familiar with for about a year. How are you doing, Sterling? I am doing very well. How are you doing? I am doing great, considering this crazy-ass year. It's just been insane. It has. <laughs> so I got familiar with you on Instagram last year. I think we followed each other, and then... We've just been kind of like back and forth, like appreciating each other's work. Um, and I feel like as far as your artistry goes from when I heard you even a year ago, you've just been improving like by the day. You've just been like like elevating and elevating and elevating. And the new stuff that I've been hearing has just been incredible. Um, why don't you give everybody a background how you got started in music and stuff? Music has always really been a part of my life. Um, I took 20 years of classical piano starting at the age of five. So um, it's always been there. And then um, in my like early college years, I was in a handful of bands. Um, and last year when COVID hit, I decided I had to kind of like redesign how my company was going to work. I do like photography, videography, graphic design, that kind of stuff. And um, that's not really a service you need in the middle of a pandemic. So I decided I was going to redesign how my um, company was going to work and how it was going to look. And so I thought I would get into the marketing of artists. And I thought, what better way than to use myself as a guinea pig? So I got back into doing music that way and kind of fell in love with it and haven't left since. <laughs> You're actually managed by Miles now, right? I am, yes. That's amazing. He's a he's a buddy of mine. We go back a few years. Um, how's that been going so far? It's been really amazing. I know, um, especially this early in my career, I've heard from a lot of people about like how you don't need a manager yet and this and that. But to me, the amount of effort he's put into my brand, the amount of help I've gotten from him, the amount of knowledge that I've received from working with him has just like, like you said, it's elevated so much for me. So I would definitely say it has been exactly what I manifested. I asked for it at the beginning of the year when I was doing my new year stuff. I said, I need a team and along came Miles and now we're working together. That's amazing. Uh, I actually talked about him a lot in uh, the episode I did with Amanda Yang because she's good friends with him and mm -hmm. she works with him a lot. And we were both talking about how uh, he's just a whiz kid. I mean, like I, he's 10 years younger than me, I think, or, or right around 10 years younger than me. But I swear I learn way more from him than he probably does from me. Every time I see the dude, I just like soak up all of his knowledge because he's just he's just a brainiac. He knows like everything there is to know about the industry. A good person to have on the team for sure. Yeah, and I saw that you've you've done a lot of music videos uh, recently. Like, how many videos have you shot? So we have two that are completely shot and finished. We have a handful that are started that aren't finished yet. We're waiting on different shoot dates to finalize things. But I have been really focused this year on um, the visual aspect. I know at the beginning of the year I released my debut album. Um, so I've been kind of letting that breathe and um, released a couple of videos under that project. And now I'm just pushing out, well, none of them have been released yet, but I have cranked out uh, so many singles that all have visuals with them already. So I can really plan and be prepared 
when I do drop this stuff, I have the record, I have the visual for it too, and have all the rollout ready for it. That's dope. And did I see that you just started making your own beats too? I did. Miles pushed me. Um, Miles, it, it was an ongoing thing where we were struggling with um, exclusives because I'm sure, you know, getting exclusives are wildly expensive and not having the exclusives really limits you. And Miles was saying, you're so musically talented. Why don't you make your own beats? And so I tried, I started and I really hated it. It was awful. <laughs> I struggled really hard. I didn't understand what I was doing. And then once I kind of like gritted down and sat down for a week and watched asinine amount of YouTube tutorials and played within the program. And now I'm just like cranking out beats. I've done 30 beats in the last two weeks, just cranking them out. (laughs) That's what's up. That's impressive. That's crazy. No, I'm jealous because I, I, I wish that I would have had that musical knowledge before getting into making beats because I have all of the, the DAW knowledge. I mean, I can work my way around Logic and Pro Tools and Reason and all this stuff, and I have the sound selection down because that comes from, like, years of ear training, but I just don't have that the magic on the keys like you do, so I, I'm just I'm jealous. Like, I feel like you're you're probably, even though I've been making beats for – 18 years now i feel like you're gonna surpass me probably in the next couple weeks and your shit's just gonna be crazy (laughs) it's just gonna be insane and you're even getting into like automation and all that stuff yes i learned automation um i messed with it a little bit way back um when i was in bands in my early college years i used ableton and so i messed with it a little bit that way because like i have the midi keyboard and stuff um but once I figured it out within, so I use FL Studio. And once I figured it out in there, I was like, oh, what? All of the things I could do. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's really dope. I mean, it really opens up your the whole world, basically. I didn't even really discover automation until I went to IPR, which was like 10 years after I started making beats. So um so yeah i mean you're already like miles ahead of me where i was when i first started so i can't wait to hear what you cook up um so yeah i mean you mentioned uh that you started making beats because you were running into issues getting exclusives and stuff like that um what type of other creative hurdles have you maybe faced in the last couple years like especially since covid hit and stuff i would say shows coming to a stop obviously is a huge one with COVID Um, for me that's the hardest part I'm like born and bred to be on stage it's where I want to be it's where I feel most comfortable so not being able to perform as often as I want to perform really sucks Um, I struggled a lot with a lot of the administrative work that comes with it but Miles has really really helped me through all of that um either taking care of stuff that I have no desire to learn or teaching me the things that I do have a desire to learn about. Um, So figuring out all of that stuff. um, Other than that, I'm very much rooted in like, I really hate having to rely on other people. Yeah. So once I run into an issue, I'm usually like, okay, well, I'll just learn how to do it myself. Like I I learned how to engineer myself and I actually started engineering down at the studio um, once I learned how to do that. But I learned how to engineer myself. I learned how to mix and master. I'm now learning how to make beats. I'm I'm learning all this stuff because I don't want to rely on anybody else. It's a lot easier to just do it yourself. (laughs) Hell yeah. 
That's super dope. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same, except I'm such a slow learner that it takes me forever. Um, so I'm jealous of anybody that can like pick something up and just like learn it right away, because uh, it just takes me forever. I mean, I'm still I'm still trying to master all of the things that I do. Um, but no, I totally feel that not having to rely on anybody and and wanting to do everything yourself, because because I'm kind of the same way. It's great to have a team around you, like. I definitely don't want to discount having the team there to help yeah. you out and to play different roles. But if push comes to shove and you have to do it yourself, then you're not held back and not able to put things out because you can't do it yourself. So, yeah. Cause I, I, I just noticed that you, uh, you guys have really been building a strong team. I mean, you got um, your, your photographer. Uh, what's, what's her name again? I'm, I've met her once before. Um, Miles, the one that Miles is dating. Tana. Tana, yeah, and she she shot the music videos, right? That you did. She shot um, the on the run video. Uh, that one's really cool. It's with Steve Flo. Uh, he's from Minnesota too. You might or might not know him. Um, he's from further down south, Minnesota. Um, he and I do a lot of work together. Actually, we we vibe really well in our music. But um, she shot the on the run video, which is really cool. It's like based off of the Rocky movie. I do the whole like Rocky montage, yeah. climbing to the top of the stairs. I ran from St. Paul to Minneapolis. It was the worst. Miles made me do a lot of running and I was very sore for like a week afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> When's that video dropping? I started editing it last week. Um, so once I get it done and I like to usually sit for a couple of days after doing an edit so I can view it with fresh eyes and not be so immersed in it because I'll sit for hours and hours and edit. So I like to usually set it down for a couple of days once I have the initial edit done and then uh, come back with some fresh eyes and go over it again. But that one in the next, I would say like month to two months is going to drop. Um, and then I have one record that I did for my mom that's going to drop on Mother's Day. That one's going to be really awesome because actually all of the money that's generated off of that will be... Uh, donated to um it's called lsi brumwood it's a place here down in iowa where um it's kind of like a foster like a government foster care system for kids um i had experiences with them when i was growing up so um all of the money will be donated to there it's a wonderful program they really helped me out i mean look how well i turned out <laughs> That's super awesome. I, I love uh, donating to causes. So I'll definitely, uh, yeah, send me the link and I'll throw in a little bit too. I would love to, to help out any way I can. Um, so you, you've you lived in Minneapolis and in Iowa, right? So do, do you kind of go back and forth? Did you grow up in Iowa? I grew up in Iowa. I lived in Minneapolis for three years and I'm currently back in Iowa, but I spend so much time like, um, my daughter still lives up in Minneapolis, so I'm either going up there all the time or she comes down here, but I spend a lot of time up in Minneapolis still. They're both both my home. I'm just currently working out of Iowa. And Iowa seems to have this like really slept on music culture down there, like music scene that nobody really knows about. Everybody hears about Minneapolis and the Twin Cities and stuff, but I feel like there's a lot of talent, uh, a lot of untapped talent in Iowa. Absolutely. There's a lot of us here that um, are working hard to get Iowa on the map. Like Iowa has so much dope talent, but usually a lot of people that are really talented end up leaving. 
I'm probably going to end up leaving. I don't imagine I'll stay here forever, but uh, there is so much talent here. Even the people that stay, there's still so much talent here. So if you end up leaving, where, where, where's your dream? Like, where do you want to end up? Uh, somewhere warm. <laughs> yeah, same, same. The winners up here are no freaking joke. I'm originally from California. Ooh. I moved here uh, when I was almost nine. And I, at first I was, I was super excited to move up here because, um, you know, we had family up here and we would, we would road trip up here like every summer, um, pretty much. So I was already really familiar with Minnesota. So I was like, like my mom just kind of got it in my head to be excited for it. So I was like hella stoked. And then I got here and I'm like, this sucks. I want to move back to, to California so, so bad. I'm like this, this, this is terrible. It's cold and the people are stuck up and. I I hate this. Um, I mean, I love I love Minnesota. As as I got older, I you know I have a lot more respect and love for um for this state, and I love Minneapolis, and I love going up north and all that stuff. I love all all that Minnesota has to offer, except for the winters. The Midwest is amazing. It's always going to be my home. I spent a lot of time growing up in Wisconsin, also. So just everywhere in the Midwest is really home to me. I love right. it here, but I definitely want somewhere warm probably like spain <laughs> that'd be crazy that'd be crazy have you ever been overseas no uh i've been out of the country just like right across borders a couple places um i love the island jamaica was such a dope trip i've been and... in jamaica it's dope the vibe there is so amazing yeah. so i wouldn't mind jamaica either but you gotta yeah. like live on a resort, I guess. I don't know if I could fork out that much money. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe yeah. when I'm rich and famous. So what are your uh ultimate career goals? I mean, we talked about like moving places. Like where do you wanna end up like career wise in like four or five years by like twenty twenty five? I definitely wanna be touring. I know I'm gonna try and do a short tour this fall if things have opened back up. Fingers crossed. I would really love to get in a short tour this year, but I would love to be touring doing music full time. I know I kind of do now anyway, but um, just continuing to to build my brand and grow my platform and be able to speak to people. That's kind of like always been my end goal of why I wanted a platform. Like, yeah, like money, <laughs> who doesn't? But right. I definitely think having a platform to be able to reach people and speak to people and change people is the most important reason for me. I personally believe that like music is a language, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a language that you speak. It can be in a foreign language. It can be in a genre you don't like, like as long as a song moves you, then it moves you. So I think that if you can speak to people and change them with your music, then you can change the world. And that's what I would like to do. I'm also an entrepreneur. So I would like to continue to invest outside of the music industry. I want to invest in, in real estate and the service industry and all types of like the fashion industry, just quirky shit. I don't know. I just, I want to invest. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> My big thing is uh, mental health. I mean, I, I really want to help inspire people to, um, you know, come out of their shell, you know, uh, defeat their anxiety, get over, you know, mental hurdles and um, all the things that hold them back from living the life that they truly want to live and they truly dream of living. That's, um, that's my ultimate goal. So that's, that's kind of the idea behind this podcast. And 
me even calling my company Nice Guy Entertainment um, to kind of bring that friendly vibe, that um, uh, inspirational thing that younger people need. Um, and speaking of, of younger people, um, what would you say to like a young woman uh, who has similar dreams um, with like musical aspirations, but who's just getting started? What, what would be like your main advice for them? I would say work hard. Um, don't let other people's opinions affect how you feel about your music or how you decide how you're going to put out your music. I know, especially for women, that is something we run into a lot in the music industry where we are predisposed to kind of have this sexual vibe to to make it and I don't like I just I and I think now especially with a lot of the pioneers women pioneers that have been paving the way for all of us women artists to really break that barrier and make it so that you can be successful in whatever way you want but I do think being able to put out your music how you want to. I know something I struggle with is I often hear that my rapping is not necessarily receivable because it's aggressive and kind of manly. But I'm like, that's what's comfortable to me. Yeah. And that's what sounds good to me. And that's what comes out of me. So I suppose I take it with a grain of salt. I do try and tweak things here and there to have it be the most receivable it can be without losing my style and my sense of self and what makes me unique to my sound. So um, being able to take criticism and use it how you can without losing yourself and never being afraid to ask for help. I would always say ask for help. Some people aren't going to give it and that sucks, but there are so many people within the industry that are willing to shed all of the knowledge that they had to go through and learn and they're willing to just share that with you. So always reach out to people and ask. I mean, the worst that can happen is they say no and they don't tell you, but you're not going to miss any chances if you take them. <laughs> exactly. I can't believe that people's biggest criticism of you is that you're too aggressive. <laughs> like what? I mean, I don't, I don't get that vibe from you at all. Maybe a little intimidating. That's probably what it is. I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> you intimidate people, make people feel like they need to go back to the drawing board and, and write better shit. So I do want to check in on your progress of cigarettes. How, how far along are you on that now? Of quitting? Yeah. Uh, 10 years? Um. Yeah, November first of twenty ten. Jeez, you are my you are my inspiration. I I quit for a while and then I go back and then I quit and then I go back. Yeah, I quit when I was twenty five, and it was literally the hardest thing I ever did. I mean, I was I was a pack pack and a half a day smoker. I mean, it it was it was brutally hard for me. I mean, especially like with my anxiety and my mental health. Um, anytime I would get stressed out or anxious, I would, you know, pick up a pack and, or it was also when I'd be hanging out with like any, uh, girls I was interested in. Um, that was the thing. Like I'd be like, it was like every time I was trying to quit, I would start dating 
a girl that smoked and it would be like right yeah. so i mean i got i got lucky that this t- this last time i met my girlfriend who i've been dating the last 10 years um like 6 days after i quit and um we went on our first date like a month into like quitting and so like i remember our first date i was like i want a cigarette and she's like don't don't do it don't do it and i'm like all right i won't and that just like kept me kept me going you know over like the court and i just like it you know weeks turned into months and then it was it just got easier and easier but i mean it's it's all mind over matter it's it's really all just like just being just having the will to do it just being like i'm gonna mm-hmm. do this and sticking to it and also it, it helps too if like if, if you have a week or two that you can like you're like clear your disengage schedule from everybody yeah disengage from everybody and everything if, if that's a possibility for you to like go you know on a vacation or like um i don't know stay at a at a hotel or an airbnb or something and just like seclude yourself and don't have any smokes with you or anything like that that would be helpful too um because yeah i know like for smokers like anything triggers us you know like being being around people smoking being uh you know restaurants or bars seeing it on tv seeing it on tv <laughs> i mean yeah i mean that that is like the only time these days that i'll think about it again is is seeing it on tv like seeing it in like a movie or a show like watching shameless where they're like always smoking and um you know so i'm like damn like i, I kind of want a cigarette but i won't um i mean i i'm i'm <laughs> i'm fully confident that i'll never have another one but um but really yeah it's just it's mind over matter it's just like one day at a time literally like i mean it's i think it's the same thing i mean i've never been addicted to anything else like like that but i i imagine it's the same thing with like heavy drugs and stuff um like just one day at a time you know mind over matter like um positive affirmations that you can give yourself and all that stuff mm-hmm. can i ask you a question i just yeah, did sure. i am going to ask you a question <laughs> No doubt. What is the biggest barrier you hope to break in the mental health stigma via your podcast and your work and your advocacy? That is a really, really good question that I I thought about at the beginning of this, but I haven't thought about in a while. Um, The biggest stigma, I think, would be for for men to feel free to be vulnerable and to talk about mental health um and to 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 um to get rid of toxic masculinity in the sense where like i i think i think a lot of i don't know for sure but i think a lot of toxic masculinity comes from men who struggle with mental health and don't have ways to combat it in a healthy way I guess. So I, I think I think that's the biggest thing is, is to just break that stigma. I don't know how uh, we women can ally in that. I would love to be an ally in that. I feel like anytime a woman says toxic masculinity, it immediately like shuts down the conversation. <laughs> See, that that's ridiculous because that's when we should listen the most. That's when we should be listening and not talking, you know, not interjecting our opinions. Um because I think when it comes to toxic masculinity, women know the most about it and women receive it the most. It's interesting, too, to see um, the flip side, obviously, like I'm a woman, so I'm on the total other end of the spectrum of that. But it's interesting to see how ingrained we have become with it, that 
it feels normal for us women to receive it. It, it. And I think that's one of the ways that we can also as women ally in that and combat that is to not let it happen and not say that it's okay and stand up and be like, no, like I was at, we had a video shoot and a, a situation occurred where a girl was doing something and a guy tried to like move in to show her how she should position herself and she was just like oh no no thank you maybe like a girl can show me how and just like and I was floored at how like if I had been in that situation I wouldn't have said anything I wouldn't have done anything I would have let it happen and it wouldn't have bothered me either which is bothersome (laughs) right I think it goes both ways I think women being able to stand up and identify it as something that is happening in our lives at a radical pace that we need to be like, whoa, I'm actually not cool with that. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I don't think he was being very malicious about it either. He was just trying to be helpful in the situation. But the the way the situation transpired, I was, I mean, I messaged her afterwards and applauded her. I was like, I really like how you handled that. Like, that's really cool for you to stand up for your boundaries. And maybe that's fucked up that I'm even having to like applaud you for that. Cause that should just be something that we all do. <laughs> right. I get what you're saying. Um, but I think that until it becomes normalized for women to be, be able to feel free to speak up, I think it should be applauded. I, I think, I think things like that, you should say that to, you know, to your fellow women. Um, when you see and witness something like that, because, because I think, I think it'll encourage um, that to continue and, and for her to be able to feel comfortable to maybe speak up in the future. You know, I mean, maybe she probably already does in general, but I I think it helps. I think, I think it definitely helps to point those things out for sure. Well, I appreciate all the men who combat against toxic masculinity and just, all of that, the mental health. I do think that, um, no offense, I think men struggle with mental health a little more oh, no than women do. And so when I see men being active advocates for that, I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Men will listen to men better, better than they listen to women for whatever reason. I mean, I could shout from the rooftop how important mental health is. And <laughs> not all the men are going to get it. Yep. I totally agree. Um, but it's something that I'm continually learning about. I mean, my, my, my girlfriend keeps me in check. I mean, she keeps me in check when it comes to that shit. Um, so, she, I mean, she'll, like, if I say anything, like, she'll, she'll point it out right away. And she'll be like, that right there. You know, like, a base, I, I've, I've had to learn, um, and I'm still learning, uh, to get rid of my toxic traits, um, and, uh, and recognize that they're toxic traits. Um, and I, I don't know if I was ever extreme cause I've always kind of been a feminist. Um, but, uh, the, it's definitely stuff that's like, I think it's kind of engraved in men's brains from like society and from growing up and stuff like that. Um, it's just things that we have to unlearn. You know, and we have to I think we have to admit that we need to unlearn them and we have to be, like I said, vulnerable enough to realize that that they're issues, you know, and listen mm-hmm. to women when they tell us that they're issues to that need to be changed and corrected, you know. 
I do think toxicity goes across the board though. I think that I struggle with a lot of really toxic behaviors that in the last like five years, I really have put my foot down and been like, okay, this is really fucking toxic. And I need to recognize that now that I've recognized that I need to work on that and not do that in the future and communicate to people in my past and in my future that, hey, this is me and I'm working on it. So I do think toxicity goes across the board. It's not just the men that have things that they need to work on. It's everybody in general has things that they need to work on. And I think it's important to me when I think of mental health, I think the most important thing is to be able to not only communicate with yourself and have that conversation with yourself, but being able to communicate with others. Like I know the last couple of relationships I was in over the last like five, six years, I had a lot of toxic behaviors. However, in the beginning, I was like, full disclosure, I kind of have these toxic behaviors and I'm not entirely sure if I'm willing to work through them yet. So just so you know, (laughs) you know, step in the right direction. Um, I think now more so I've gotten a lot better at controlling, listening. Like you said, I think that's one of my worst toxic traits is that I will when somebody is talking, even while they are still talking, I'm already over here thinking about what my response is going to be. And I'm not listening to what they're saying. So for me, that's been one of my biggest ones is listening. Just stop and listen to what they're saying and respond based off of what they said, not what I'm thinking and how I received what they said. Especially with this podcast, I've had to to kind of learn um, the power of, of uh, like truly listening um, because I mean, I, I always struggled with like ADD and stuff like that. So, so that has always been my thing too, is like when, um, when people are talking, I'm like trying to think of what to say next. So the conversation keeps moving along and, and it's not necessarily to, to, you know, to be toxic or anything like that. It's, you know, just just my own like ADD and like trying to pay attention and trying to like, you know, seem like I'm with it and seem like I'm coherent and give a coherent response and stuff like that. So um, I definitely can relate to that for sure. Definitely. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I agree that that um, toxicity goes across the board. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like it's up to, to men to deal with our toxicity at large i'm really rooting for the day when like therapy is the same as going to a doctor or a dentist oh, for sure. like it's yeah. just it's just something that we all do i'm like i see a therapist should i see two therapists like yep. i need my therapy i need my time to be able to work it out and i think everybody should have a therapist and i preach that to everybody i talk oh, to like yeah. get a therapist like I can help you as much as I can help you, but get a therapist. For sure. <laughs> when society as a whole really opens up to that, specifically maybe like our government and the healthcare mm-hmm. could like hook us up with therapy. Sweet, and that would be cool. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I mean, I tried um, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I mean, I went to like counselors and stuff and um, saw, you know, 
uh, did forms of therapy. Um, but as an adult, I've, I've kind of struggled with finding good therapy because I tried going to somebody um, like two or three years ago and they ended up wanting like, like my insurance didn't fully cover it. And they wanted like 250 out of pocket per session. Like what? <laughs> like what? Like $500 for two sessions? Are you kidding uh, me? I'll just cry on the floor of my shower and yeah, thank you. Yeah, like straight up. <laughs> like, I mean, that that was ridiculous. And she was like talking about see, wanting to see me like every week. Like, uh, no, I'm not paying $1,000 a month for therapy out of pocket. Sorry, that's not going to happen right now. Um, So, yeah, I think I think especially like with with adults like we we need to to have you know just more options and know our options and and know like what our insurance covers and what it doesn't cover or have it explained to us a little more you know um i just think it needs to be it needs to be normalized it needs you know every like you said everybody needs a therapist for sure although finding your perfect therapist is like Hard, hard. I went through many therapists. I was like, yeah, I went to therapy as um, a child and a young adult. And to me, that really elevated my thought process around mental health. And that's how I feel like I can be an advocate because I see many people like in my age bracket, slightly older, slightly younger, that don't just don't understand how to work through these things and I'm like yo you need to like talk about it and like here here are some basic tips from going to years of therapy how I can help you like it's shocking to me that people don't they, they lack the basic skills to be able to work through things and to me it's just always been something I've known how to do because I've been in therapy all my life so yeah. uh, again I think therapy absolutely needs to be normalized and it, it needs to be easy to find a therapist yeah. that's right for you because I went through many therapists before I found my therapist and I've been seeing him since I was 14 and I can't imagine seeing other therapists like I I just put in so much work there, you know, so, and, and that's a, an excuse I hear from a lot of people as well on why they don't stick with therapy because they don't like their therapist and they saw them a couple of times, but they didn't like them. I'm like, well, choose a different one then, you know, like you gotta, you gotta find them, but I feel like it should be easier for people to find a therapist that works for them. Like, can we get Tinder for therapists? Right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, well, it's not funny. I mean, I, I do agree with that should be a thing. That should definitely be a thing. If if somebody can invent that, that would be fantastic. Cause, cause yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I like, to be honest with you, I haven't really researched it lately, but, but I don't know where to go for like good affordable therapy right now. You know, like I don't really know where to turn to it. Um, so I just kind of use my own coping, you know, mechanisms like exercise and trying to eat right and self-love and all the stuff that they suggest you do. When I was in Minneapolis, um, I saw a therapist while I was in Minneapolis and I went through care counseling, if that is helpful at all. Um, okay. They have, they have um, buildings all over the cities. So you can find one that's like close to you or 
one further away if you find a therapist at a different one that you like. Um, but they have them all over the cities. Um, it's called care counseling. And that's who I went through. And I found a lady there that I would still see her if I could, but I don't have Minnesota insurance anymore, so I can't see her. I appreciate you mentioning that on here because I, you know, if, if anybody else is struggling um, with mental health stuff, you know, it, it's good to know where they can get help because yeah, I mean, and I really, I, I, I'm glad that we're talking about this right now because I've really thought about it lately. Um, I didn't really realize until recently just how much the pandemic has um, kind of added to my, my anxiety. And um, I just find myself having panic attacks when I like, I guess, get out of my routine. Um, and that's not healthy. Well, it's been such a shutdown of social interaction yep. and it's pushed us. I mean, I know we're still like on social media and we're still able to interact with each other, but I know you and I have had that conversation before of how toxic social media can be and oh, yeah, 100%. how like regulated you need to be with it in your life. And so when that's all you have and you don't have any other social interactions, like it's just, it's, you're, uh, I feel you. Yeah. I feel the same way. I go out and I'm like, ah. Doing this podcast has, has really helped with that too. Um, connecting with people, you know, even even just like face to face via a computer, um, really helps with that and helps me kind of like get out of my comfort zone that I've um, found myself in. Um, because yeah, I, I really, I, I really just need to get out of my comfort zone and need to start. Um, things need to open back up and I need to start going to more social gatherings and um, studio <laughs> sessions again and all that stuff. Cause yeah, it, it's been, it's been too long since I've done any of that. What are you most looking forward to once everything opens back up? To be honest, to just going to different studios um, and working with people uh, that, that in-person collaboration is what I really miss. How about you? Traveling. I oh, yeah, was traveling too. so excited to spend the year traveling. I wanted to initially, I wanted to travel somewhere every single month, even if it was just somewhere, nowhere, big deal or anything. I wanted to travel somewhere every month. And I guess I kind of still have ish, but um, it's, it's so limited that you can't right. go many places. You can't do many things. And so I'm definitely looking forward to traveling again. I need to be out and about and meeting new people and seeing new sites and learning new cultures. And I just, I got to get out there. I can't be cooped up in the Midwest like this. <laughs> right before the pandemic uh, in January of 2020, me and my girlfriend went to California and um, she had a, a trip planned to Mexico um, that was actually right before the pandemic. But I was like, there's no way I'm going to miss the first time that you see the ocean. Like we have to go to California before you go to Mexico because I'm not going to because her, her trip was through. Uh, she sells makeup through this company called Lime Life. So um, her trip like she won the trip through that. So I was like not you know i wasn't going so i was like there's no way i'm gonna miss you seeing the ocean and it was dope and she like fell in love with california so now like through the whole pandemic that's all we've been talking about and thinking about is like when when can we go to go to california next and have there not be restrictions and be able to like you know eat an in and out burger and go to all the places mm -hmm. and um all of all of the things 
So that's that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to as well is uh, going to California and having maybe a longer vacation with my girlfriend out there and maybe driving up the coast. Fingers crossed it happens soon. Fingers mm. crossed for sure. And then when everything opens, I will come up to Minneapolis and we can collaborate on something. I would love to. I would love to. We we need to definitely figure out something that we can collaborate on. Do you rap? I do. You never heard any of my stuff? I don't think so. No, yeah, I haven't I haven't really uh pursued it in a long time um because you know, I started Nice Guy Entertainment as a record label in 2015 and basically right when I got started, I put out a mixtape. Um but then after that, I got super busy with with helping artists and booking shows, and I got kind of like known as like the show guy. So I put all of my solo music to the side, and I guess I just I kind of mm-hmm. just got out of the habit of being of like pursuing my artistry. So um, I still I still write and I still do verses um, and stuff like that. I mean, I write kind of like I'm I'm always thinking of lyrics. I mean, I have like tons of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I, I I'm a songwriter. Please send me some of your stuff. This is like a, a hidden gem I didn't know. I knew you made beats. I knew you did the podcast stuff and the nice guy stuff, but I didn't know you did music too. No, have you seen any of the episodes of this podcast? I went and looked up the one with Miles after okay. you told me you'd done with my, one with Miles. The theme song to this podcast was the last song that I put out as a rapper. Um, I just used the beat for the theme for this podcast. Oh. It's a dope track. I'm I'm actually really proud of it. I actually uh, opened up some of my songs that I've kind of been sitting on today and I, I was like vibing to myself and I'm like, damn, I need to get back to this. I need to, cause I mean, that was, that was my first love with music was, was as a rapper. I mean, I started, I, I started as a rapper. Like that's what led me to like everything I do now. Um, and then I started making beats um, like shortly after, like a year and a half after I started rapping or like something like that. Um, and then I, I, you know, more got more so known for my beats after that, and then I started Nice Guy Entertainment, and then it turned into like me helping everybody else but myself. Um, so I would I would love to kind of get back into it and take it seriously again. I love looking back at old music and vibing out to it, but also being like, "Wow, I was such trash," but it's actually really low key kind of good, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, and that, that's that, that's me too. Is I'm such a, such a bad perfectionist too that, um, it's like literally hard for me to finish anything, because I, I don't want to put out trash. I think that's my problem. Is like I, I think everything. Oh, I have I, no shame. Uh, well, that I mean, but you're good though. Like you're, you're really dope. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think my thing is just like I, I'm so critical of my own stuff that, um, I just. I didn't put things out. Who gives a fuck? Right? You should. When right? I first started rapping, when I first started rapping, I was in a band called Lady Spade. And it, it went through many different progressions of um, people. Like it started as me and this girl and we were like acoustic indie duo on guitars and shit. And then it turned into a full band. We were doing acoustic hip hop. And then the band fell apart and it was just me and the drummer and we did electroacoustic hip hop, which was fucking weird. And at that point, we just like flipped the script on everything. Like we, like ICP had clown face paint for all of our shows. It was like a super circusy theme, like fucking weird. But 
everybody loved it because we were just up there having the best time. It was like actually kind of good. Like if you listen to the music and the words and you connected with it, like it wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. It was strange. It was very strange. Go look it up. Ladies. Yeah. Is there anything I can find? Is, Is it on, is it on streaming? It's on streaming. Yep. We put out an album called thank you for your patience. Um, and then we have, I think there's like, we did one music video and it's very like, you would think it was some theater kids gone crazy. Like, <laughs> That's dope. It's strange shit, but we had fun and people around here loved it. I mean, we had such a big following and such a good turnaround on that. Like people loved it. So I would say that would be my advice to young people. I take back what I said earlier. My advice is don't give a shit, put it out. There's a lot of people who put out a lot of trash music and some of them are making millions of dollars right now. So put out your trash music. You're only going to get better. (laughs) That's true. Um, that is, that is great advice. And I mean, that's something that like people like Gary V always say too, um, is like, you know, just put out everything and, you know, cause, cause once you put out quantity, the quality will come over time. You know, you'll, you'll start to kind of figure out what people like from you and like, how, you know, what you're good at, what your strengths are and all that stuff. And if you never put anything out, like nobody's hearing anything. So like, how can you know if people are going to like it or not? You know, I mean, cause that, so that's very true. And that's, and that's something I think about too. So I think, I think I'm going to really try to make it a priority um, to put out something, you know, over the next, like this year. Um, I, I kind of joke with myself because I'm kind of on a six year streak anyway. Um, and I, my, my six years since I put a body of workout is this year. So when I, I first started in, in 2003, I put out like an, an album that nobody will ever hear because it's just awful. It's, it's terrible. Um, and then uh, it took me like six more years. I put out an album that people actually like liked called Mr. Nice Guy. Um, and then another six years, like I, after like I, I, you know, just a bunch of life stuff, um, I had like got a driver's license finally, got a real job finally, got like went went back to school. Then when I went back to school, 2015, six years later, I put out my mixtape. So that was six years ago. So now I'm on. I think it's time for me to put out another because I'm on that six year cycle. And hopefully I can, you know, maybe at 36 years old, I can finally break this six year cycle that I've been going on the last 18 fucking years now. (laughs) Holy shit. 18 half my life. That's crazy. Oh my God, I literally just realized that that six-year streak has literally led me to like half my life I've been doing this shit. Wow. Wow. Self-realization. That's crazy. I, I need to put out shit. I'm going to hold you accountable to it. I'm going to bug you. Please. Every so often, I'm just going to like creep up into your DMs like, hey, you released anything yeah, lately? Yeah, like every, every, every Monday be like, <laughs> yo, how's that shit coming along? How How's your... uh are the tracks coming along? How's the music coming along? Like just every Monday, I want you to be my, my, my Siri, <laughs> write your shit notification. I got you. I will do that. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Any closing statements you would like to leave everybody? Shameless plug. Go follow me at Sterling Banks baby on all social media platforms. Um, my music is on all streaming platforms. Be on the lookout for new dope shit coming. Hells yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for having me.